Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Come on, everyone. How are we doing this morning? Man, I hope you guys are having a good week so far. Um, man, we're getting closer and closer, uh, one, to this weekend. And I, l- let me just give you a praise report so much, is that right now, as it is, we have 22 people looking to get baptized this weekend. 22 people looking to say and make public their proclamation that Jesus is their Lord and Savior this weekend. So you won't want to miss that celebration. You know, if you know me a little bit, you know, I go crazy and love some baptism. I love to party. I love to celebrate. And that is one of the greatest things that we can come together and celebrate. So uh, 22 people this weekend, you won't want to miss that. Uh, On top of it, we are getting closer and closer to our freedom conference at the uh, end, at the beginning of May uh, coming up as well. And so if you're a part of that, whether you're serving or you are uh, planning to be a participant coming to that, uh, you will not want to be uh, missing out on that. So let's get prepared. Let's pray up. Um, Anybody that knows anything about that definitely knows uh, that, man, um, we need prayer warriors right now. We need prayer warriors always like leading up to that, because as powerful as that is, as much victory comes out of that in people's lives, uh, the enemy doesn't want to see it and the enemy wants to come against it. And so I'm saying that now. So that we're not waiting a week before, we're doing this weeks before, that we're praying to make sure uh, that people stand firm on the rock of Jesus uh, all the way up and into the Freedom Conference and even beyond. Uh, And so that's a really, really big deal. Uh, I see some of our prayer warriors on here already. So you know the deal, you know the drill. Um, We we know where the battle station is, and that's on our knees. Amen. And so uh, that is what we need to be doing. But today, this morning, we are in Deuteronomy chapter three, Deuteronomy chapter three, we're going to have a good time in here. We're going to talk about some stuff that we talked about in numbers and kind of read, look at a couple things, but we got three kind of big, uh, major stories uh, inside of Deuteronomy three here. Um, and uh, let's pray and let's get in to see what God has for us uh, in a Deuteronomy three. Um, so let's pray. Lord, Father, we just come to you this morning. We just come to you uh, excited, excited for these baptisms coming up this weekend, excited for this Freedom Conference coming up, excited for uh, maybe it's just that the summertime is coming. Lord, regardless of what it is, we know that you're bringing new seasons upon us. And so, Lord, in your word today, strengthen us. In your word today, teach us. In your word today, uh, grow us in further and deeper faith uh, and trust in you. Uh, Lord, I surrender myself to you as I normally do. And Lord, just teach me as well. 
Lord, I want to be a student uh, today. Um, and I just want to be a vessel for you. Uh, Lord, we just love you. And we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. And amen. Come on. Let's go this morning. Deuteronomy 3. Um, so we got a couple of things we're going to look at, but uh, you know, let's just dive in. We're just going to dive in and then uh, we'll bounce around, but we're going to get, uh, we're going to relook at a couple of things in numbers and things like that to kind of remind us what was going on. Um, but number uh, chapter three coming out of the NLT here. Uh, <clears throat> So next, we turned and uh, and headed for the land of uh, Bashan, Bashan, uh, where King Og and his entire army attacked us at Ediri. But the Lord told me, do not be afraid of him, for I have given you victory over Og and his entire army, and I will give you all his land. Treat him just as you treated King Siom. Uh, of the Amorites who ruled in Hezbon. So the Lord our God handed King Og and all of his people over to us, and we killed them all. Not a single person survived. And we conquered all the 60 of his towns, the entire uh, Argob region in his kingdom of Bashan. Not a single town escaped our conquest. These towns were all fortified with high walls and barred gates. We also took many unwalled villages at the same time. We completely destroyed the kingdom of Bashan, just as we had destroyed King Sion of Hezbon. We destroyed all the people and every town we conquered, men, women, and children alike. But we kept all the livestock for ourselves and took plunder from all the towns. Verse 8, so we took the land of the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, all the way from uh, Aaron Gorge to Mount Hemron. Now, Hemron is called uh, Syrian by the Sidians, uh, and the Amorites call it Sinir. We had now conquered all the cities on the plateau and all <coughs> Gilead and Bashan as far as the towns of uh, Salika and Ediri, which were part of Og's kingdom in Bashan. King Og of Bashan was the last survivor of the giant uh, Rephanites. His bed was made of iron and was more than 13 feet long and six, cube, or six feet wide. It can still be seen in the Amorite city of Rahabim. All right, so I'm going to stop there. That's one story that uh, really looks at uh, here in Deuteronomy 3, that overtaking of um, Og's kingdom. So Og was a giant. We see that uh, this word, uh, Rephaites, uh, it was used a couple times um, in the Bible. And uh, this is one of the terms here is referring to a type of giant, and there's many different names for him. Uh, but we see a couple things that went on. Number one, uh, this is already, they, they have not crossed the River Jordan yet. They have not gone into the promised land yet. They are still on the other side there. This is part of, uh, and we're going to look at the land that was uh, given uh, east of the Jordan, right? This is still on the east side of the river there. Um, and so 
they're already conquered a lot of these people. They've conquered kingdoms that uh, numerically and militarily uh, through strategy and everything would not have normally been done. But because of God, but God, amen, they were able to do that. God even says, I have given you a victory over them. Right? They didn't even go into battle yet. And God already says, I've given you victory over them. Again, the battle is the Lord, right? We just need to show up. We just need to show up. Um, but looking back at Numbers 13, if we look back at the story there, that's when Moses sends out uh, the 12 to go look at uh, and spy on the land and bring back a report. And what happens with that report? We remember what happens with the report, right? Ten of the 12 come back and say, oh, no, we're just like little worthless grasshoppers. This ain't going to work out. This isn't looking good. Why did God bring us out of Egypt? We should have just died in Egypt. Or why didn't you just kill us in the wilderness? Because this is no good. Like, this is terrible. You're going to promise us a whole bunch of land that we can't even conquer. Uh, look at all these. There's giants roaming the place, right? And there's no way. These guys are twice the size of us. It's just not going to work. Except for the two, right? Except for Joshua and Caleb that are sitting there going, now we can do this. Let's go. Let's go conquer the land right now. Only two of the 12 had the, the trust in that the Lord, what he's calling you to, will call you into something that has already been conquered. But they didn't have that faith. Only Josh and Caleb did. This is very similar to what we see in the disciples. When Christ is on the cross, they're running for their lives. Peter denies Jesus three times with the threat of his life. Uh, the rest of them are all wondering, I don't understand, like, no, whatever. I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared because of now it's pers my preservation. I got to pursue and I got to make sure I'm preserving my life. That's ultimately the, the fear of the 10 that are just like, nope, this isn't going to work. I, I'm preserving my family and myself like I, I'm not going to go face these giants. You're out of your mind. And we see this parallel in the disciples as well. Because they didn't listen that God has already claimed the victory. God has already claimed the victory here. Jesus already knew that he is going to conquer sin and death. Here, God already is saying, I'm going to give you the promised land. All of this is a foreshadow and a type to exactly what Jesus did. Look, God got the Israelites out of Egypt, out of their issue, out of their slavery, out of their bondage to free them, sets them forth, and I'm going to give you the promised land, my special land. Guess what? I'm freeing you of your bondage. Trust in me, and you'll come to the promised land of eternal life with me. 
It's it's a type and foreshadow for what's coming. It's a type and foreshadow of what the Messiah is there to do. It's a type and foreshadow of all of this. But we still we operate in our humanity and we look at, oh my gosh, what is going on here? There's fear, there's death, there's threats, there's uh, the potential of always looking at the worst case scenario and thinking that that becomes your reality and you're so fearful of it that you don't see the victory that God has. You don't see the promise that God has. You don't see that what God is already doing ahead of you to guide your path and make your steps straight. And that's what we need to remind ourselves of what God has already done. Like these are the same people that walk through split waters and yet they're worried about giants. These are the people that uh, watched bitter water turn to life-giving water. These are the people that are seeing so many miraculous things that God is literally walking around in a pillar of cloud and fire at night. And they're like, I don't know. Our God is like continuously following us in this pillar of cloud and fire all the time. But you know what? I don't trust him. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Like that's the... I'm telling you, the Torah is wild because I'm just, I don't understand these people. They have a constant living reminder of the power of their God all the time around them. And yet they argue and bicker and don't trust and have issues and still live in the flesh. So if they're doing that, how much more do we need to realize how much we do it? And we don't have a pillar of cloud and fire walking around with us day and night, physically. Yes, we have the Holy Spirit, but it's not in a physical form that we get to see every day. But here's one of the things that happened that's here. At the very end, in verse 11, King Ong of Bashan was the last survivor of the giant uh, Rephianites. His bed was made of iron. It was more than 13 feet long. If you're reading a different translation, it's probably in the cubits. Uh, but this is 13 feet long and six feet wide. That's just putting cubits into what our normal measurements are for today. It can still be seen at the Emirate city uh, of Rehaban. Rehaban. What is it that you have that reminds you of God's victories in your life so far. I want you to really like, what is it? What is it? Not just the memory, but what like physical thing can you look back and go, that reminds me of God's victory that he promised me and he gave me. And I never thought it could happen, but absolutely can happen because of God. What are those physical tokens of reminder? It's not an idol to worship. It's a reminder that lets you know God was there, God is there, and God will always be there. Um, I've got like many, I haven't put them all up in like in the military. We have, we get like different accolades, right? We get uh, different things. And I have like one or two, this was something I had um, that was given to me when we were 
uh, redrawing when I was the commander of a unit at Fort Bragg. Um, one of the guys was uh, helping us when we were redesigning our, our, um, our battery logo. And he was drawing this and on the back inside the frame, it's signed by a lot of the guys in the unit. And it was given to me when I left um, command and it just, you know, it's a token of remembrance. And I'm reminded how I actually went through a very, very tough time in my life, a really, really dark time in my life at, at a time that was probably one of the most crucial times during my career in the military when you're in command. And I was going through one of the darkest times personally as well. And it's that and many other things that I have are those physical reminders now to me that God was with me even when I didn't feel him. Even when I didn't know, even when I didn't understand, even when, guess what? I wasn't following him, but God was still following me. I have those constant reminders. I have uh, the bed of King Og basically in my life to remind me of, guess what? Even when I wasn't doing the right thing, God was still there. And he saw me through things. So now that I'm following him even deeper, won't he still show up? Won't he still have that victory? Won't he still guide me through things? To keep me going, to keep my faith growing. That's why Jesus talks about, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, he didn't say a grain of sand. You know why he didn't say a grain of sand? Because a grain of sand can't grow but a seed can grow and a seed can grow into something and a seed can grow into a tree, into a bush, into a fruit, into something that gives fruit and gives life and gives oxygen. A plant gives oxygen for life. What is your reminder today that God has had victories is with you now and we'll have victories in the future of your life and that you just need to continue to trust him and be not afraid. So that's the first story. Um, and I better get going. So we get the other two, uh, verse 12. Um, and this is kind of a rehash, uh, at, of what Moses is. This, Moses is kind of like, this is his diary, right? The Deuteronomy reads more of like his diary entries. And so I think it's just kind of an interesting, um, literary form that Deuteronomy is in versus the other, um, uh, other books that Moses wrote from Genesis all the way up to Numbers. Uh, when we took in possession of the land, I gave to the tribes of Reuben and Gad the territory um, beyond Aaron along the Aaron Gorge, plus half of the hill country of um, Gilead with its towns. Then I gave the rest of Gilead and all of uh, Bashan, uh, Og's former kingdom, to the half tribe of Manasseh. This entire uh, Argam uh, region of Bashan used to be known as the land of the Rephaites. Rephaites, Rephaites. Yeah, there's no in in there. Uh, Jar, a leader from the tribe of Manasseh, conquered the whole uh, Argob uh, region in Bashan, all the way to the border of uh, the Geshurites and the Macathites. Perfect pronunciation. Uh, Jar renamed this region after himself, calling it the towns of Jar, uh, as it is still known today. I have, <clears throat> I gave Gilead to the clan of uh, Mekur, 
Um, but I also gave part of Gilead to the tribes of Reuben and Gad. Uh, the area I gave them extended from the middle of the Aaron Gorge to the south of the Jabuk River on the Ammonite frontier. They also received the Jordan Valley all the way from the Sea of Galilee down to the Dead Sea, with the Jordan River uh, serving as the western boundary to the east where the slopes of uh, Pishkag. At that time, I gave this command to the tribes that would live east of the Jordan. Although the Lord your God has given you this land as your property, all your fighting men uh, must cross the Jordan ahead of the Israelite relatives, armed and ready to assist them. Your wives, children, and numerous livestock, however, may stay behind in the towns I have given you. When the Lord has given security to the rest of the Israelites, as he has to you, uh, when they occupy the land of, of the Lord your God is giving them across the river. Then you may all return here to the land I have given you. All right, we're just rehashing that. Guess what? You know, um, that's where uh, Gad and Reuben and half of Manasseh were like, yo, all of this, this is perfect for our uh, flocks and our sheep and everything. Uh, we just need to hang back here. Um, but we'll, We'll honor our promise and we'll send our fighting men uh, for the entirety of Israel to do what God has called us to do, uh, to occupy the land that is given to them. Um, but we kind of like this part. So can we keep that? You know, and he's he's really remembering a lot of that and uh, rehashing and almost, you know, just giving a solid account of the boundaries and the lines in which uh, that was given to them. Um so here's the here's the last story. And this one is somewhat hard to swallow. Let's like let's get honest. This is hard to swallow. Uh verse 21. This is Moses is forbidden to enter the promised land. Verse 21. At that time I gave Joshua this charge. You have seen for yourself everything the Lord your God has done uh to these two kings. He will do the same to all the kingdoms on the west side of the Jordan. Do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. I want you to hold on to that. Do not be afraid of whatever, for the Lord your God will fight for you. For the Lord your God will fight for you. At that time, I plead with the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, you have only begun to show your greatness and the strength of your hand to me, your servant. Is there any God in heaven or on earth who can perform such great and mighty deeds as you do? Please let me cross the Jordan to see the wonderful land on the other side, the beautiful hill country and the Lebanon mountains. But the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he would not listen to me. That's enough, he declared. Speak of it no more, but go up to Pishgag Peak and look over the land in every direction. Take a good look, but you may not cross the River Jordan. Instead, commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, uh, for he will lead the people across the Jordan. He will give them all the land you now see before you as their possession, so we stayed in the valley near Beth Pierre. And that is the end of chapter three, the word of the Lord. And 
we see that this is hard to swallow. This is, this is tough for us to hear. Moses has been such a faithful man to the Lord for so, so long. Actually, in re-looking and um, a little bit of uh, Jewish rabbinical uh, traditional timeline of Moses' life, Moses dies later at the age of 120. And we see that uh, what they believe is Moses was very encapsulated in the number of 40. The first 40 years of his life was, you know, born in a basket down the River Nile, raised as an Egyptian, um, but of course understands that he is Hebrew, then later realizes the uh, way the Hebrews are actually living and being treated in Israel or in Egypt, excuse me, in Egypt, sees somebody mistreating them and kills an Egyptian and then flees to Midian. That's the first 40 years of his life under uh, a traditional um, rabbinical understanding. The next 40 years, he's in Midian. He's in Midian where he meets Jethro, and that's where uh, he's he then loves uh, one of Jethro's daughters and has a family, uh, has two sons, and he basically tends to and takes care of uh, his father-in-law's flock. For 40 years, he's in Midian before seeing, before witnessing the burning bush and being given the call to evacuate Israel out of Egypt. We see that it's that 40 years, and then he goes, pulls Israel out of Egypt, and for 40 years is through the wilderness through miraculous signs, being led, being given manna every morning uh, on the ground, all of these amazing things in 40 years, wanders the wilderness, being led by the Lord and being the faithful man of God. He's uh, part of it. It was not only in 40, 40 and 40 years, he was up on Mount Sinai, Sinai for 40 days. 40 is such a huge number for him and the faithfulness of all of this uh, and him just we, 40 years. He's faithful to his father-in-law, which then gets elevated that he's faithful to father God. And we see so much of Moses and we get this. Why is this given to us? And really, James talks about this very, very briefly in one verse. In James chapter 3, verse 1, he talks about that, guess what? In higher responsibility. He says in James 1, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. We see that a higher level responsibility, God-given responsibility, not man-made. We see plenty of man-made responsibility and people not being held accountable to their actions. Uh, but God-given responsibility, God will hold you to your actions. God will hold you to what's going on and even to a higher and more strict standard. The higher you go in God-given responsibility, the higher the standard in which 
uh, of excellence you are to be performing. And we see, unfortunately, that this is pointing back to uh, in, in Numbers 20, where Moses struck the rock. The people, again, as we were talking about already, uh, come and complain. They come and complain, you brought us into an area where we have no water, we have no uh, food, we have no livestock, like, or we can't water our livestock, we can't take care of anything. What is going on? So Moses and Aaron fall down and call on to the Lord. And we see in Numbers 20, 10, then he and Aaron summon the people and come uh, gather at the rock. This is where the Lord said, go and at the rock, I will provide water for the whole community of the livestock. But this was a misrepresentation in the way that that, uh, Moses represented God. Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice, Numbers 20, 11, and uh, with the staff. And the water gushed out, so the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. We see that what happened here was that Moses misrepresented, um, honestly, the personality of God at this point. The rock was not to be struck. Now, we use that now as, guess what? It was a understanding of the Messiah to come, that Jesus is our rock and he gives living water. He wasn't to be struck then. He was to be struck before going on the cross. He was not to be struck then as the rock giving life water. He was to be struck going at the cross. It was too early for the rock to be struck. Moses didn't understand that. Moses was trying to convey that and thinking that God was mad at the people and God was not. God was giving grace. God was giving life. God was listening to their prayer and saying, I'll give you water. But Moses went and struck the rock under in giving this impression that God was mad, that God was upset, and it was a wrong and uh, faulty representation of who God is and what his attitude was at the time. And this is a big deal. When we misrepresent God, um, there's problems. And this is why there's a huge responsibility of being a teacher of the law, being a teacher of the Bible, being a teacher of God's word is a big, big deal. And there has to be a appropriate way to do such and making sure that we are correct in the way we handle the word of the Lord. This is like, this is a fear of mine. Like I, I get fearful to make sure that when I'm reading the Bible, am I getting accurate theology? Am I getting accurate understanding of what's going on? Am I understanding the, the historical and the cultural implications that are going on around in these stories to get the full meaning and detail of what is being represented in God's word? Because it's a big deal. 
because we're talking about God here. We're not talking about Joe Schmo down the street and I just misrepresented his attitude during a conversation earlier. Uh, and we've done that all the time, right? Who's who's ever misrepresented you and what you were your intention was during an action or a conversation before? And then it turns into an altercation. It turns into a problem. It turns into don't misrepresent me. But guess what? That's just me. And we can get over that or whatever. But if we're misrepresenting God, that is a much bigger deal. Because now we're, we're having an impression of other people on who God is. And when he's not this fire and brimstone all the time, God. Yes, there's a side of justice to God. Yes, there's a side of God wants to discipline you, but he only disciplines those that he loves. Understand that. If you're being disciplined, he disciplines those that he loves. And God does this in numerous and different ways through his, through the body of Christ, uh, through the Holy Spirit convicting you, uh, through maybe circumstantial things. God does discipline us. Yes, Jesus paid for our sins, but there's still consequences here on earth. Okay. And there, uh, and that happens, but it's reminded by Apostle Paul where he writes, that God chastises those that he loves. It's just like any good parent, any good father that wants to raise their children the right way, that wants to make sure that they understand the error of their ways and correct that and start turning their path towards the right way, is that a good father will discipline you. And that, guess what? The higher the level of responsibility, the higher the level of importance, the stricter that that can actually be when we go wrong. And here, unfortunately, we see that that was for Moses. But there's a level that, guess what? I was really thinking about this even yesterday during worship and prayer, and because I, I, I had read over this a little bit, and I was really pondering some of this, and why, why, why this extremity? And for us, it seems so extreme. But it's, it's a, one, it's a great way to show that even Moses was disciplined when things were wrong. There's no, um, well, it's Moses, so we're gonna we're gonna give him a little extra favor. It's like no, the higher level of responsibility, the higher you're being held, the higher the standard is being held to you, and that actually, when we go up in elevation, the standards become even more strict, and that. All too often in our world today, we keep thinking that if you go higher in elevation, you're supposed to get more perks, you're supposed to get more exemption, you're supposed to get more of whatever, and that is not the case. You're supposed to demonstrate even a higher level. And so for us today is, where is it that we may feel that we're supposed to get uh, better or special treatment when actually we're supposed to be held to a much higher standard. Where is it that maybe we need to elevate our own personal standards to make sure that we're being held and being looked at well? Because guess what? Whether you're uh, an actual pastor or not, may maybe you're uh, a baby Christian, but all of us here hold on to that title of Christian. 
hold on to that image of Christ follower. And so as that in ourselves, what are we doing to make sure that we display, portray, and teach the word of God the right way? That we're portraying how Jesus' heart is in our actions, that we're portraying uh, God's message of grace and love within truth in our lives, not only in how we conduct ourselves, but how we raise our family, how we act at church and in, outside of church as well. These are all things that we must look at. And yes, when God has given us the victory, are we proclaiming it? Are we loving it? Are we shouting from the rooftops? Our God is our victor. Our God is our protector. Our God is our provider. And our God is the one that leads us through the shadow of death. That we see in that first story, what is your reminder that God is faithful, that God is with you, and that God will always be with you to give you victory? And so let's live like that. Let's live as victors under the banner of Jesus Christ. Let's live as victors under the banner of knowing that our God is the one and only true God. And that our God loves you, loves all of us, and loves those that are even far from him. And his heart is for all of them to come closer to him through the living testimony of each and every one of us that shows and demonstrates what God has done in our lives and will do further as we keep going. Let's keep fighting. Let's show up and let's celebrate what God is doing. And let's continue to do that this weekend with 22 baptisms that we're looking to see and so much other victories that God is doing in people's lives, changing their lives for the better and ultimately for eternity. So let's pray and let's have a great and blessed Thursday and get excited for this weekend. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We just thank you for your reminders of all that you have done in our lives. Lord, would it remind us of, uh, of maybe it's a trinket, maybe it's a plaque, maybe it's a banner, maybe it's even just a simple photo that we have on social media or something that reminds us of the times when you have given us victory over the king ogs of our life, over the giants or the things that we thought were so big and so massive and so fearful that ultimately underneath your foot, underneath your hand, they were nothing but grasshoppers. Lord, may you remind us of how you much you love us. And so as we go forward in whatever we're facing today, and I know there's, there's grief out there, there's pain, there's sorrow, there's hurt, there's worry, there's confusion out there today. May your hand of peace rest on those and remind them that you have already claimed the victory. And may we have an eternal perspective. May we walk in that and demonstrate that as well. May we represent you correctly. May we represent you with love. May we represent your grace. May we represent your name in a way that others go, wow, there's something different. There's something changed. And it's because of your son, Jesus. We love you and we thank you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen and amen. Come on.
Let's have a great Thursday. God bless you all. See you all later. And I can't wait for this weekend. Take care. God bless.